Today, we're, we're uh, going to be talking about trusting God. That's the title of the message today. Now, what does it mean to trust, to trust someone? To trust someone means to rely on their character, to rely on their ability, their strength, uh, to put your confidence in the truth of what they're saying. And we're going to talk today about trusting God. We can rely on His character his ability is without end. He has great strength. Everything he says is completely true. And how would our lives be different if we completely trusted God each and every day, every minute of the day? If we completely trusted God, we would not worry. We would not be anxious about anything. We would not be stressed out. We would be full of peace. Our lives would be full of joy. That sounds pretty good, right? I would like more of that. And so why is it often hard to trust God? Well, it's hard to trust God when things in our life are difficult. When we feel like we're going through a, a desert time in our lives. When things don't seem to be working out. And during those times, we may ask questions of God, such as, God, do you know what I'm going through? God, do you really care about my predicament? God, will you help me in my trouble? And the big question, why? Why am I going through this, God? And today we're going to find some answers for those questions from God's Word. Isaiah 26, verse 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And I encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline and the verses written out there. Uh, you can follow along as well. And so God's word here commands us to do something. He commands us to trust in the Lord. And today we're going to learn how we can grow in trusting him. We're to trust in him forever, for he is an everlasting rock. He's, he's always a sure foundation to plant our feet, to plant our hope, to plant our trust. He's Never going to go away. As I was thinking about the topic today, trusting God, I, I thought about young children. Young children are really a very good example of trust. I'm talking about young children. <laughs> the difference when they get older. Uh, young children, young children completely trust their parents to take care of them. I mean, they don't worry about where their next meal is coming from. I'm, we're, we're talking about in America today. They don't worry about their, where their next meal is coming from. They don't worry about anything. In fact, Jesus said in Luke 18, 17, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. How does a child receive the kingdom of God? Well, a child believes. They trust. They receive everything that God says. They don't doubt. They just accept it, just as they would accept something from their parents. When children are very young, parents learn that children will, without warning, leap off chairs, uh, leap off beds, leap off couches, and expect their parents to catch them. And usually we do catch them. We try. And so young children, they don't worry. They don't worry about today. They don't worry about tomorrow. They simply trust their parents to take care of them. That's not a bad thing, and God wants us to trust Him just like a child, to trust Him even when we feel 
like life is difficult, anyway, even when we feel like we're in a desert. I'd like us to watch a video about faith and trust. It's called Faith in the Desert. God is in control of every aspect of our lives, and we can trust Him. How can we grow in trusting God, even in the difficult desert experiences that sometimes we go through? We can trust God because of who He is. We can trust God because of the things He's done in the past. And we can trust God because of His promises for the future. So today we're continuing our message series, Discover Hope, from the book of Isaiah. And we're going to look at a psalm. Perhaps you didn't know that there were psalms in the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at a psalm from Isaiah that the prophet wrote in Isaiah chapters 25 and 26. And we're going to answer the question, how can we grow in trusting God? And as we grow in trusting God, our worry and anxiety level is going to decrease. And our peace and joy level will increase. So, so let's begin. We can grow in trusting God as we remember God's awesome deeds. So we can grow in trusting God for our future as we look back to the past. As we remember what God has done, we, we should praise Him for His faithfulness. Isaiah 25 verse 1 says, O Lord, You are my God, I will exalt You. I will praise Your name, for You have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. And so Isaiah here begins by committing himself to praising God, to exalting God. He remembers the wonderful things that God has done in the past. The things that were done by God in the past were according to God's plans. God's plans for his actions are faithful and sure. God doesn't wonder, what am I going to do next? He knows exactly what he's going to do. Nothing surprises God. God is sovereign over all creation. Nothing happens without His permission. Everything is under God's control. God's plans are always carried out and they come to pass. And so we, along with Isaiah, should daily praise God for the awesome things that He's done in the past. Things we read about in the Bible. Things that other believers have experienced down through the millennia. Things that we personally have seen. God has faithfully done wonderful things for His children, for the people that have put their faith and trust in Him down through the centuries. Not only should we praise God for caring for His children, we should recall God's judgment on His enemies. Verse 2, For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. And so the first part of those verses speak of God's judgment on the cities and governments of his enemies. Their cities have been destroyed by the Lord of hosts. These verses are speaking of God's judgments in the past. Not only are God's enemies judged, but those people that the enemies have been oppressing, the people of God, are, are rescued. The poor, the needy, those facing the elements, God rescues them. 
and is a shelter for them. And so the first way to grow in trusting God is to look back, to remember what God has done in the past, His awesome deeds. Now in the Bible, the classic illustration of God's awesome deeds was the exodus of Israel from Egypt. The people of Israel had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And then God began to rain down His judgments on Egypt and its gods through the ten plagues. As the people came out, the people of Israel came out from being slaves in Egypt. God rescued them and led them out. He destroyed their enemies as the armies of Pharaoh were drowned in the Red Sea. God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt and brought them into the promised land. And there he enabled them to conquer their enemies there as they came in and took the possession of the land that he had promised to them. So that's a story of God's awesome deeds in the past, one of many in the Bible, but a story of awesome, God's awesome deeds thousands of years ago. So how can we build our trust in God through such a story? Well, first of all, we have to believe it's true. It really happened. Archaeology, as much as we can tell what happens back then, verifies the stories of the Bible. But not only must we believe that what happened, what is written there happened in the past and is true, we must believe that the God who did such miracles in the past can and still does Miracles today. And he will do them in the future as well. Our trust in God will not grow if we simply believe that ancient history happened, but God has now changed. God no longer does miracles. That was just in the days of old. If we believe that, our trust in God cannot grow. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still sovereign over his creation. He still works in supernatural ways. And as you praise God for his awesome deeds, as you read his word on a daily basis, your trust level will grow. You will see greater answers to your prayers. We can also look back at the things that God has done in our own lives, in our families, and praise him for those Awesome things as well. Secondly, in order to grow in trusting God, we ought to praise God for his salvation. The salvation that God has given to us, made available to us, has both a present and a future aspect. And we, we praise God for what he's already accomplished in our salvation. If you're a believer here today, God has forgiven your sins. God has given you eternal life. He's brought many blessings into your life. That's already been accomplished, but we also praise him for the fulfillment of our salvation when Jesus returns again. In the future, the very last enemy that we have, death will be defeated. The prophet goes on in verse 7 and says, As he, which is God, will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Now the mountain referred to here, spoken of here, refers to the mountain of the Lord, 
elsewhere called Mount Zion. It's, it's the spiritual place where believers live with the Lord, will live with the Lord when, when Jesus returns. But the important part here is that presently there is a covering, there is a veil, there is a shroud that, that is cast over all peoples, that ensnares and entangles everybody, and that veil is death. And unless Jesus returns, we're all going to succumb to that enemy. We're all going to physically die. And God didn't create people to die. He created people to live forever. And so one day, death will be completely defeated. It's the last enemy the Bible speaks of. Death is the last enemy. The dead in Christ will rise from the dead. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Speaking of that day in verse 9, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And so God will come to save us. Jesus is going to come back again. He's going to save us not only to live with him in spirit, but to live with him on a renewed earth in our glorified bodies. And so today we can look ahead and praise God for that future salvation. Not only are our sins forgiven, but we're going to have eternal life with Jesus forever and ever. And in that day, not only will God's people see death defeated, not only will we rejoice in our salvation, but the prideful will be humbled. Verse 12, for the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain and Moab shall be trampled down in his place. But the Lord will lay low his pompous pride together with the skill of his hands. And the high fortifications of his walls will bring, he will bring down, lay low, and cast to the ground, to the dust. Well, who or what is Moab? Moab was an enemy of Israel, the people of Israel. Moab was a, a people, a nation that was noted for its pride. Uh, they had strong fortifications. They were on high mountains. They thought that nobody could touch him, could touch them. And Moab here refers not just to that ancient nation, but refers to all unbelievers and godly people. For the essence of sin, the essence of rebellion against God is, is pride. Pride is thinking that you don't need God. Pride is thinking that you can handle life on your own. Pride is thinking that you can handle eternity on your own without God. And pride often leads to a fall in this life. But when Christ returns, all the proud, all the prideful will be humbled and laid low in the dust. All those who have not committed their lives to Jesus Christ, humbled themselves to submit their lives to Him, will not participate in eternal life with God. They'll be separated from Him forever in a place called hell, which was prepared for the devil and his demons. So sometimes we fret. Sometimes we worry. About the evil in our world today. But one day. God will make everything right. And his people. Will come into his presence. And those. That have rebelled against him. Will be cast away forever. So even now we can praise God. For his present and future salvation. So how does this help us. Grow in trusting God. Well, frequently we, 
we face trials in this life, and those trials come from, from two different sources. The first is trials that basically come from our mortality. The inevitability of, of death, which we all face. The unbeliever has a fear of death. And yet, as believers, we should not fear death because we know that death is simply a gateway into the presence of God. And so when we face illnesses in our lives or we face different troubles or as we grow older, we understand the time for our departure gets closer. We can rejoice because we know what God has planned for us. We can rejoice because... Our lives are in his hands. The second source of trials mentioned in these verses is are the prideful, those who oppose God, those who oppose people who believe in him. And even though we may suffer at their hands, even though we may be ridiculed or even persecuted, God will bring us through. He's going to take care of us. He's going to bring us into his presence one day. Not only will we be rescued, but he's going to remove those that have not believed in Him from His presence, and from our presence as we are with God forever. And so knowing the future helps us trust God in the present. The way things are right now is not the way they're going to be forever. God's going to make everything right. And we can trust in His plan. We can rely on God's strength. So in order to fully trust in God, in order not to worry, we must rely on God's strength and not our own. In the present, God has a strong city for us. Isaiah 26, verse 1, In in that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. Now again, the prophet refers to that day, and of course that day primarily refers to the future when Jesus returns. But even now we have a strong city. There's a whole concept in Scripture that uh, we are entering into what God has provided for us even now, and it will come into fulfillment in the future when Jesus returns again. The spiritual city that we as believers in, uh, we as believers live in now is referred to as the New Jerusalem. That's Really the same as Mount Zion. The new Jerusalem comes down onto Mount Zion. Hebrews 12, 22, it's not in your notes. It says, you have come, writing to believers of that day in the New Testament times and to us. It says, you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And so as believers, that, that is our home. That is our dwelling place, even now in the spirit and one day uh, in reality. So who can dwell in this strong city? Only those who are righteous through faith in Christ. And that strong city with its walls and bulwarks protects us from every attack of the enemy. Those who are in the city will be with God forever and ever. And so as we learn to trust God, as we learn to rely on God's strength, we come to one of my favorite verses in the Bible that tells us that God will keep us in perfect peace. Verse 3 of Isaiah 26, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. 
And so God wants to keep us. God wants to keep you in perfect peace. Not just in eternity, because you will certainly be in perfect peace in eternity, but in this life. What is perfect peace? It's perfect peace is an, it's an internal peace that we can have, even though we may be going through trials, even though we may be going through troubles and conflicts. The perfect peace is a peace that relies not on ourselves because we don't have what it takes to deal with the things that come into our lives. Perfect peace is a peace that relies on God's power. With perfect peace, there is no worry. There is no anxiety. There is no stress. And how can we have that perfect peace? And this is a promise. It's a conditional promise. Not everyone is kept in perfect peace. How can we have God keep us in perfect peace? Well, it says right there, whose mind is stayed on you. Our minds need to be focused and stayed on God. Even when things come at us in the world, we don't focus on our problems. We don't focus on our trials. We don't focus on the people that are causing issues in our lives. We keep our minds stayed on God. Secondly, we trust in Him. We put our trust in God, no matter what we're going through. I remember my father's last words before he passed away was, I trust in the Lord. He was trusting in God, and now he's with him. We keep our minds focused on God and we trust completely on Him. And when we learn to do that, and we, it's a growth that we go through to trust in God more and more, God will keep us increasingly in this perfect peace. We can learn to trust in God forever because He is an everlasting rock. And when our feet are planted on that everlasting rock, no matter what storms come against us, when our feet are planted on that foundation, we cannot be moved. We remain in the peace of God. This, these verses remind me of the story of, of Peter. He and the disciples are crossing the lake in the midst of a violent storm. The winds were blowing, the waves were splashing into the boat, and suddenly they, Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. And I believe around Jesus there was perfect peace. There were no waves splashing over Jesus. He was in a zone of perfect peace. And Jesus invited Peter to join him in walking on the water, and Peter stepped out of the boat. He kept his eyes fixed on Jesus. He began walking in the water, or on the water. He was also in this zone of perfect peace. And then the wind howled a bit louder and the waves crashed around a little more violently and Peter took his eyes off Jesus. He glanced at the storm. He began to fear. He was no longer trusting. He was no longer keeping his mind and eyes on Jesus. And he began to sink and he called out to Jesus and Jesus reached out his hand and rescued him and saved him. And so in our own lives, there are storms 
howling around us. There are winds blowing. We need to keep our mind and eyes fixed on Jesus. Trusting in Him. He is right with you in the midst of the storm, no matter what you're going through. And as you trust Him, He will keep you in His perfect peace. You see, that perfect peace, God is, has perfect peace. And He wants you to enter into that zone of perfect peace with Him. The perfect peace of His presence as we rely on God's strength. And so we can trust in God because of who He is. Because of what He has done in the past and what he's promised to do in the future. And so we should encourage one another to grow in trusting God. Remembering God's awesome deeds that he's done in Bible days. But he's done in our days. He's done in our church family. He's done in our own families. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still works miracles today. He's not suddenly neutered. He's not suddenly powerless. He's the same as he always was. He still moves mountains. He still heals the sick. And we look forward to Jesus' return when he's going to make everything right. Everything that's wrong in this world will be made right. Death will be defeated. The proud will be humbled. And the righteous, the Bible says, will shine like the stars in the sky. And so we can grow in our trust in God as we believe that our feet are planted in a strong city that protects us. Our feet are planted on an everlasting rock, which is Christ. We're surrounded by God's protection and God will keep us in perfect peace as we keep our mind focused on Him and we trust in Him with all of our hearts. This morning, if you've never entrusted your life to Christ for the first time, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's a step of faith. Nobody completely understands what that means until you take that step of faith. And then God meets you there. When you believe in Christ, then you become a candidate for this perfect peace. That you can go through life no matter what happens, being in peace. Walking with God. To become a believer, according to the Bible, you need to admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things, that... You've been relying on your own plans, on your own strength in life. And that's what everybody does. That's how everybody starts out. We just simply need to admit it. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus came, the Son of God, died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. You might not understand that all. You don't have to understand it completely in order to simply accept what Jesus has done for you, asking him to forgive your sins, to come into your life, and you commit your life to following him because Jesus has risen from the dead. He's alive today. He's ruling and reigning in heaven. You commit your life to following him and his word. So I'd like to ask us to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. If you've never entrusted your life to Jesus Christ before, or perhaps you have, but you've wandered away, I'd encourage you to pray with me, something like this. You can just pray in your mind. God knows what you're thinking. God knows what you want in your heart. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've been following my own plans, my own, and using my own strength in my life. 
doing whatever I wanted to do, but ignoring you. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth, died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin, that I might be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me, and I commit my life to following you all the days of my life. And for those of us who are believers this morning, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your spirit that inspired the prophet Isaiah to write these words thousands of years ago, not just for the people of his time, but for us today in the year 2019 in the city of St. Louis. And in your sovereign will, God, you have determined who would hear this message today. And those people are here today and the people that will listen to this message on the internet around the world. May we not just forget about this message by this, more, by this afternoon or tomorrow, but help it to find root in our hearts. We want to grow in trusting you in every circumstance of life. Forgive us for being overwhelmed with the trials and the things, troubles that we go through and forgetting the awesome deeds that you have done in the past. Today we choose to remember them. Today we choose to thank you for them. Today we choose to believe that not only did you do miracles in the past, but you do miracles today. You answer prayer today, and you will tomorrow as well. And Lord, we look forward to your coming. This world is not heaven on earth right now. We pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, but it's not completely being done yet. But one day, we believe, we look forward to your return when you will make everything right. And you will bring us into your eternal kingdom. And finally, God, we... We want to live in this perfect peace that you have for us. And so today we choose to focus our minds on you. No matter what we're going through in our lives, we choose to trust you in every circumstance and situation that we find ourselves in. And for those going through difficult circumstances this morning, God, we pray that you would encourage them and that you would give them your peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.